I know that's going to be a big part of an upcoming card is this, this man. What was that, Macho Man Randy Savage? Happened so fast you can't even talk about it. Lucky person, yeah, out there somewhere is going to win a silver cloud. What a lucky, lucky, lucky person. And Tito Santana, if you go to the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship bout with the Macho Man Randy Savage and escape with your life and still lose your belt. You are a lucky, lucky, lucky Tito. Yeah, that's what they're going to be calling you. Because comparatively speaking to the Macho Man Randy Savage, you are nothing but garbage, yeah. Nothing but garbage, Gaina. And I'm talking inevitable. And I'm talking you can't hold that belt with me climbing through the ropes. Gene Okerling right here is a crying cow. And I want you to give that to Tito Santana. Yeah, because things are just popping right now. Things are starting to cultivate. Things are starting to grow. I, I, things are getting real colorful. Oh, look at that roll. Just like the silver cloud Rolls Royce. I, I'm very Top curious. Top of the line. Wait a minute. Randy. His very first move as the executive? was to sign Lamar Odom, who was on crack! Hey, bro, you listening to the sports desk. Hey, this would do some lunch sports, man. Come on, now. New sports desk. You're listening to the sports show. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Sports Desk, episode one. 27, your favorite sports all just a back to break down all the biggest news in sports, break down all the hot topics in the world of sports as well. I'm your man's one more time, Desiree L. Hicks Jr., one half of your sports all just back in the building for another episode. And folks, remember that I am here to give it to you raw and uncut. And it's your man Black back in the building once again for another episode. One of your favorite sportsologists in the building. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's going to be a condensed episode of the Sports Desk. You know, me and Black have been doing breakdown shows of the NBA Finals. We missed out on game two, but we're back to catch up on everything. Last night, we're recording on this Monday, not on this Sunday. Last night was game three of the NBA Finals. We'll be breaking that down. We're going to be talking some UFC 264. We're going to talk about what the hell is up with the men's basketball team of the United States of America. We definitely going to have that discussion. But before we do all that, black man, it's time to pay some homage, dog. Hey, yo. My favorite, favorite thing, man, when them boys would come out to the ring, Scott Hall would grab that microphone, and he'll wait to the crowd. It's silent. My boy hit you with a, hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> so, black man, uh, this past week was the 25th anniversary of the NWO, quite possibly the greatest storyline in wrestling history, quite possibly the mo- the single most outrageous historic moment happened to form this group. That was when none other than red and yellow Hulk Hogan turned heel for the first time and, re- and created Hollywood Hulk Hogan 
being the leader of the NWO. Black, 25 years ago, man, me and you was deep. We was invested weekly, man. <laughs> Talk to me, Black. Talk to me just about the NWO. What you remember, the nostalgia, just the energy, everything that was wrapped around the NWO, man. Oh, what a time to be alive, man. Uh, well said. What a time to be alive. <laughs> the one thing that I can remember about the NWO, man, us watching it coming up, is D, we got a lot of ass whoopings, bro. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, Look, we did. Look, man. <laughs> Hulk Hogan turning heel and the whole NWO thing coming about, man, it was just it's just classic, man. And great. And if you are our age, man, and you want part of that, you're lanes. You're lanes. <laughs> and you didn't want no part of that, you're just lanes. I don't yeah. see how you wasn't invested in seeing Hulk Hogan turn heel and him being the third mem- member of the NWO. Yeah. Just everything's about it, classic, man. It yeah. was just it was great wrestling for us to be kids and coming up in that era at that time. It just mean it just meant a whole lot, man. And then rest, it seemed like it changed wrestling for the better. Yeah, it seemed like wrestling ever since then. Rest, even though not saying wrestling was was bad, but it seemed like once once NWO happened, wrestling just went up a whole nother it notch. It took off, man. It took off, and man, it it was just so exciting to be a kid loving it. Me and D was glued to the TV, man. Every chance we got. Yeah. Every chance we got. We Every Monday night. The, we was glued to the TV screen. Yeah. And man, um, NWO, it was just a, a amazing movement what they did, man. For sure. They They had kids our age at that time just locked in, didn't want to miss. We were fully invested in what was going on with the NWO. And man, um, such a, such a, like I just said, such a time to be alive. Great, great for TV with the NWO doing everything that they did and accomplished. Yeah, well said, man. What a time to be alive. Um, this was a pivotal moment in sports entertainment. I'll never forget that night. My dad ordered the pay-per-view. We were sitting at the house and, you know, Nash and Hall, they were there fresh from WWE. So we knew something was different because you didn't see big time WWF guys go to WCW the way they did. You don't. You didn't see that. Bret Hart stayed put. You know, Shawn Mike, these guys, they didn't, they don't move around. They stay loyal to their uh, organization. But leading up to this uh, Great American Bash pay-per-view, um, it just felt different, man. You had Savage and Luger and uh, Steam on the other end, and they're waiting for this third member. And Hogan comes down to the ring in the red and yellow, and like he's coming to save the day while the NWO are running a rough shot on Luger, Sting, and Savage. And the unthinkable happens. Hogan drops the big leg on the Macho Man in the middle of the ring. Mm. And when you, you've never seen trash being thrown in the ring. You've never seen beer cans and beer cups thrown in the ring. I mean, it was just something of a one of a kind scene because it was confusing. Mm-hmm. Red and yellow Hulk Hogan, everything that he meant, man, you never saw what, you never saw what happened you know, ever in that type of situation. But long story short, the energy, the bravado of the NWO, the gang-like mentality, the takeover spirit that they had, it was refreshing. We were tired of the same old boring wrestling weekend and week out, and Hogan was a big part of that. Yeah. The older we got, we didn't care about red and yellow Hogan like that no more. We was ready for something else. And Hogan, when you watch these documentaries, he says it. That wave was over. 
I had to jump off and I had to get on the new money train. The new money train was the NWO. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood Hogan is the greatest heel of all time. Yes, he is. He's the greatest of them all. Really just enjoyed the years of the NWO. And a lot of people give the Attitude Era and the WWE all the credit. Well, I'm going to have to challenge that. The NWO was really the beginning of the Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. It was in WCW, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the Attitude Era saved WWE because they seen what was happening in WCW and they had no choice but to join the party. Mm-hmm. WWE just ended up doing it better. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just a, a classic group, uh, amazing time doing wrestling. 25 years since the NWO uh, were put together. I enjoy seeing all of the documentaries that the WWE Network, which is now on Peacock, they put out. I enjoy watching those. You hear Hall and Nash and Hogan just kind of talk about that time. Sting and and these guys, really, Lex Luger, they talk about that time, and they were all afraid. They didn't know if it was going to work, but the only person that really believed was Eric Bischoff. Bischoff was the only one that believed. You know what I mean? Because Hall and Nash was just looking for money. (laughs) <laughs> they left WWF because they were trying to they get paid. They were willing to do anything. Yeah, man. they just it trying to get it, paid. Yeah. Just trying to get paid. So, great time, man, in the wrestling world. I encourage you. I'm pretty sure most people who listen to this podcast know of the NWO, been a part of that era. But I, I, I challenge you guys, go refresh your memory, man, and, and go down memory lane and go look at some old clips of the NWO, man, and uh, enjoy yourself, man. So, you know, me and Black wouldn't be real, man, if we didn't acknowledge the 25th anniversary of the form- formation of the New World Order, okay? All right, Black, like I said, uh, we're getting ready to kick off this condensed episode of the Sports Desk, and what I mean by that, your favorite topics... Uh, segments will be back like your top fives your what did you do in camp your start bench your cut we'll be getting back to those next week but we have so much to discuss today that happened over the weekend black great sports weekend very great sports weekend great sports weekend yeah. man so we definitely have a lot to cover so let's go ahead and jump into it black of course last night game four excuse me game three of the 2021 nba finals phoenix suns milwaukee bucks Phoenix Suns came in, of course, up to nothing. Milwaukee said, eh, eh, <laughs> last night in game three, especially Giannis Antetokounmpo said, mm. eh, eh. Milwaukee gets on the board, two games to one. Phoenix is still up. Game four is set for Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, still in Milwaukee. Black, let's jump right into the game. You know, me and you have been invested in other ways uh, with this basketball. <laughs> <laughs> with the basketball. But um, let's go ahead and get into just the game, man. Just the energy in Milwaukee. Just the tone of the start of the game. Uh, what did you see and what did you expect to happen last night? Oh, uh, man, the, uh, the energy was crazy in the building, man. Mm-hmm. Um, great. I mean, the crowd, the, the Milwaukee crowd was just as good as the Suns crowd mm-hmm. uh, for their first game at home. And I was asking you earlier, like, I seen Gucci and his wife sitting courtside. I did not know Gucci was a was a, a basketball fan. You yeah. know, what I mean a Milwaukee Bucks fan. Yeah. And man, just to see, you know, the celebrities in Milwaukee. Like, like, look at it. You got yeah. you got the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals and you got celebrity power that's in Milwaukee. So yeah. it's it, it was good, man. Energy was crazy in the building. Game was game was insane, man. And and the one thing that really stands out about this game, Giannis was like, get out my way early. Yeah, he was very, very energetic. Yeah, he was pushing the tempo yeah. early, getting to the cup early. Yeah, and I love to see that from Giannis. That's that's and that's what we've been saying. And you made a a, a perfect statement about him a few episodes ago. Giannis is not being denied. No, like we've seen in the past, Giannis is doing. He knows what he what he does, and that's what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. So he's not letting nothing stop him from getting to the rack, mm-hmm. and that's. 
that's what we seen in the beginning of that game, man. And it was just so amazing how he set the tone to get them, you know, get them to a win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think it, I ain't gonna say it was obvious, but you know, the feeling all around was, you know, the Bucks were going to get Game Three. I mean, this is a really good basketball team. Even though Phoenix is fun to watch, the upstart energy of this young crew led by their veteran leader and Chris Paul. All signs just pointed towards the Bucs winning game three, especially where Giannis dropping 40 on the road in Phoenix. And if Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday would have showed up to play, we could be looking at 2-1 Milwaukee right now if you really want to talk about it. But it's 2-1 Phoenix. And last night, Giannis Antetokounmpo said no. He told Chris Paul no. He told Devin Booker no. He told the Phoenix Suns no. Not on my floor, not in my house. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday decide they want to come along. Now, did they have the best games? No, they didn't. Chris Middleton uh, gave you 18. Drew Holiday gave you 21. You would expect to have a little bit more production, especially from Middleton. I call for him to have around 25, even to 30 points last night. But I guess Giannis was just so dominant. I can see what they stuck with, what they uh, stuck with for him to have the output that he had. 41 points, 13 boards, and 6 assists. So, just a very dominant performance in the paint. There's nothing the Phoenix can do. Giannis looks healthier and healthier by the game. And that's the thing that Phoenix hopefully is aware of. He's only getting better. He's only feeling better and getting stronger each game coming off that leg injury. And if last night was any indication of anything, the Phoenix Suns could be in trouble. Now, I picked the Phoenix Suns to win the seven games in this series. I'm worried today. I'm worried about that pick today. After one game? Yeah. You want to know why? Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the assertiveness of the Bucks in the paint. The rebounding, the putback shots, like we talked about before this show, Brooke Lopez out there playing volleyball, knowing nobody <laughs> can't get the ball from him, and putting it back. You know, P.J. Tucker out-hustled everybody for the Phoenix Suns last night in the paint. The one splash play that the Suns had was Cam Johnson, but I'm on P.J. Tucker, but they was down 15. Mm. So how much did it really mean? It really didn't mean that much. It didn't. It didn't mean that much. So last night, Budenholzer and the Bucks dominated after a very entertaining first quarter. Mm-hmm. When the first quarter's over, you said, okay, okay, Phoenix is hanging around. Then they weren't hanging around. Yeah. Closed though. So, yeah, you know, all in all, expected the Bucks to win. Giannis being assertive, we're going on to game four. So, Black, anything else for game three? Yeah, it seemed like I was, we was watching the game in the, uh, in the first half, and it seemed like a, it was a set in that game. Not a set, well, a, a, couple, of, a couple of different parts in that game that happened. Well, the Suns, the Suns went up uh, six or either eight. Yeah, they got up six. Yeah, and Bootenholzer called a timeout. Mm-hmm. And I promise you, from there on, after that commercial came off and it came back to the game, yeah. it's like Milwaukee just turned it on. Mm-hmm. It's like Bootenholzer sitting them on the bench and said, "What the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all gonna let them come in here and, and get on the run and have y'all almost down ten? It's like once that happened, they came out of that timeout. Milwaukee never looked back after that. They did it. They never looked back. Like they, they pushed the pace. They stepped on the Suns' neck early, but in that second quarter, they just they just went lights out in that yeah. in that second quarter. And to see Milwaukee get to that point, because that's what they gonna need against this Suns team. You cannot give them a chance. You're going to have to step on their neck early. Mm-hmm. And we know, like I said, we know it's going to be times where they get stagnant, and especially a defensive team, Milwaukee, the defensive team we know Milwaukee could be. And that's what we seen last night. You said you said it yourself, D. You said you expect them to bring the energy defensively. You expect the Giannis to be dominant like he was. And that's everything that happened. That's what we seen. Mm-hmm. 
Drew Holiday was being a pest on Chris Paul last night. Yes, he was. He was being a pest. I mean, picking picking Chris Paul up, he couldn't even get. They couldn't even get the ball inbounding. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're gonna have to do. They're gonna have to disrupt everything that the Suns are doing. They held Devin Booker to ten points, man. Ten points. And made and made Monty Williams sit him out the fourth quarter. He didn't play none of the fourth. Yeah. So man, to see Milwaukee be Milwaukee was dominant last night. I just continue. I just hope that they can continue to do this moving forward. Yeah, the Phoenix. The, the, the thing with the Phoenix, I wasn't surprised that it happened to them because when they lose in the playoffs, this was their fifth loss in this playoffs. When they lose, they lose bad. Mm-hmm. They don't lose close games. They pretty much get outplayed, get out hustle. Um, they just really get embarrassed on their losses. But I will say the alarming thing was Devin Booker. Devin Booker had 10 points, didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. Booker didn't look right to me. Me and Black were talking before the game. We was watching a little bit of Undisputed. And uh, Skip Bayless made the point, man. I, you know, something looked something look up with uh, Devin Booker. We just don't know about it yet. Just one play in particular for me in the first quarter. Book was on the side, uh, on the baseline, one-on-one with P.J. Tucker. There was no help. No one came to come over and help P.J. And uh, he couldn't shake him. He just couldn't shake him. He pulled up on the ball and got the ball out of his hands. That's kind of rare for a guy with a skill set like Devin Booker who can create any type of shot that he wants. I mean, we know P.J. Tucker's a really good defender, but come on now. You know, if you have really good offense, that usually beats really good defense. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it what it is. So it was kind of alarming when I saw that, and Book just looked out of sync. Book didn't look right at all. He had some really bad misses. And for Monty Williams to put him out for the fourth quarter, even though at the start of the fourth quarter the Bucks were up 12, the game wasn't lost. Mm-hmm. The game wasn't lost, even though they were up 12 at the start of the fourth quarter. So that's just really alarming. Chris Paul was bothered last night. Drew Holiday took the assignment. I called for that. For Budenholzer to do that before the series started. <laughs> Everybody say Drew Holiday need to be on Devin Booker. No, he don't. He need to be on the head of the snake. The head of the snake is Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And Chris Paul had a tough time. Even though he dropped 19 points, Paul had a few turnovers last night as well. But when you look at the outpour of points, when Jay, Jay Crowder gives you 18, you got to win this basketball game. Mm-hmm. When, but look at the rest of the crew. Miles Bridges, four points. Cameron Payne, seven points. Craig, two points. Just no production. I mean, your top dog was Chris Paul with 19. DeAndre Ayton started off the game red hot going six for seven in the first quarter. But he finished on it with 18 points. He did nothing. He was Foul virtually... Trouble. Yeah, he was virtually non-existent in the second half. But am I going to change my pick? No. So I'm going to take Phoenix to win at seven because Monty Williams is a great coach. Chris Paul is a great leader. And you got to believe Devin Booker is going to come out and have a different type of game in game four, game five. One of these games, Booker is going to have his game. He's going to have his game because he's too talented. You know? But one thing I do want to bring up, Black, we were talking about for the show, Scott Foster. (laughs) Don't do that, man. Scott Foster. (laughs) Does not need to be refereeing any more NBA Finals basketball games. I was telling Black, there's no way that Giannis Antetokounmpo goes to the line seven times, which he deserved that. Not saying Giannis shouldn't have went 17 times. But the Phoenix Suns as a team went 16 times. That's a problem. Chris Paul, Monty Williams both spoke on it in postgame. Vaguely and beat around the bush, but they spoke about it in postgame. That's a problem. It's the Finals, dog. This the finals. You can't have a lopsided scenario like that one player from another team. I don't care how aggressive he was. You had nine players play for the Suns last night. And you mean to tell me all nine players can't get to the line more than 16 times? That's absurd and egregious. (laughs) Adam Silver got to do something. He need to put the call in the Scott Foss and say, hey, bro, you can't can't referee pass the first round no more. (laughs) Dang. You just can't referee pass the first round because this, this is not new. For all of our listeners out there, if you don't know the thing with Scott Foster and Chris Paul, 
Every time Chris Paul, Scott Foster has refereed a Chris Paul playoff game, the last 11 games, the other team has went to the foul line way more than Chris Paul's team. I ain't saying it's a, a, a dirty bet, but hey. It's just a coincidence, bro. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Scott Foster. We don't want to see him again. Black, what you got on Scott Foster? Yeah, man. I, I, think, I think they need to do something about Scott. I think it's just a coincidence, man. I, I understand uh, Chris Scott Foster, when Chris Paul plays, he's never won a basketball game. I think Chris Paul's like, what, 11? I mean, it's like 0-11 like when Scott Foster uh, referees his games in the playoffs. So I don't know if that's overall. Playoffs. You know, but, man, I just, it's, it's crazy. But they do really have to do something. About Scott Foster, man, either get him out that mix because that is a that is a big off for Giannis to go to the line so many so many times like that, and then the Suns only go sixteen times. It's crazy, man. But uh, yeah, we got to Adam Silver. We got to make a call or uh, send a text or uh, do something, man, because uh, Scott Foster it just ain't sitting right sitting well with a few good people in the NBA Finals. Get him out of here. <laughs> So last thing, man, last thing before we move on and talk about game four. Stephen A. Smith came out a couple of weeks ago and said that Devin Booker was indeed the next Kobe Bryant. I love Devin Booker. I love the kid. Love to watch him play. If he's on TV, I'm not missing a game. He has exceptional talent. He's very good. But I hope last night was the end of that conversation Will Devin Booker eventually get to a status like Kobe Bryant? I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is his fifth year in the league. Kobe played 20 years. If Booker's healthy enough, he'll play another 15, and we'll see what happens. I'm not saying that he won't reach there. I don't know. He's talented enough. But the one thing that people don't remember about the great Kobe Bryant that separated him from a lot of other guards and ball handlers and scorers in this league was the mentality. It's cliche now, but it was Mamba mentality ferociousness, laser focusness, the unwillingness to lose. I don't see that from Devin Booker at this stage in his career. Kobe Bryant went to the NBA Finals seven times. Seven times. And on a multiple occasion in these finals, you've seen the relentlessness from him for his team to win, hence him having five championships. There's only one appearance that Kobe was in the NBA Finals that was utterly disappointing. And that was that whole sorry Lakers team with, by God, Carl Malone and Gary Payton getting bedazzled by the Detroit Pistons that I still can't sleep at night <laughs> when I think about that finals. But anyway, let's stop. Let's stop. Let Devin Booker be Devin Booker. Mm. Let him be Book. Let Book figure this out. And who, who knows? We may get us a spectacular... Devin Booker performance before this finals is all said and done. But it's unfair to Book to keep doing this Kobe versus Book thing. We know the relationship was strong between the two. We see the Be Legendary tattoo, the Be Legendary writing on the sneakers that Kobe told Book to be as he was mentoring him. We understand that. But let's get this off this kid. Let's get this off this kid. I don't want to hear no more about Devin Booker being an ex Kobe Bryant because he's not. He's not. Black, anything on that? Uh yeah man, we just gotta stop it. We just gotta stop it. Um, I understand that Devin Booker was mentored and had a great relationship with Kobe Bryant. <clears throat> you know, tried to help him on the basketball court as a pro. Maybe even while he was at Kentucky, I'm not sure. But um, it's one. <laughs> listen to me. It's one thing that these guys that Devin Booker doesn't have that 
Kobe halves. Kobe has, and I don't think Devin Book will be able to get it. Kobe Bryant was ferocious. Vicious. He was vicious. He was a killer. He was a he <laughs> And you knew it. And you knew it. <laughs> he was that he was that snake with that venom when he bites you. And he wanted you know to know automatically you're gonna die. He wanted to do it. That's the thing. This is a new generation of basketball players now. These kids, some of these kids don't have that mentality. Yeah, ain't no real killers. There's no real killers out there in the NBA. I have to really let's think look, about it. Let's look at this. Look at the whole thing compared to what we've seen from Kobe Bryant growing up yeah. through the years. Yeah. Who in the NBA you can say is just a flat out killer? Like I mean, I mean, not can look, man. What type of do we get those? I mean, it's been games with Kobe, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm finna go a little long with this, but no, you good? I know Kobe. It's games, man, that you should just piss Kobe off. You see Kobe come to the bench and get a folding chair and break that mug because he's so hot with what's going on with the court. I'm talking about the intensity, the hunger, the edge, everything. Kids don't have that no more. You don't see kids being that passionate about the game like Kobe Bryant was. Kobe Bryant put his Everything. Not saying that these kids not putting in everything, but Kobe yeah. mentality, left man. Mentality. His heart. It's a mentality. Mentality, he man. He left his heart and soul on the basketball court. And <laughs> Devin Booker is a great offensive player. He's yes. a great basketball yes. mid-range player. Yes. But the kid is not a killer. Mm-mm. He hasn't. We've shown seen that. him have have great games and games like these right here. You wouldn't. Kobe Bryant wouldn't disappear. We wouldn't be talking. We wouldn't be coming on this show talking about what Kobe Bryant didn't do. Yeah, we wouldn't be doing that. Quarter. Even 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 in the times that Kobe did, did did lose when he lost to Boston that first year, you weren't saying oh what Kobe didn't do because mm-hmm. Kobe did everything he could, but his team just came up short. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to stop the comparisons of yeah. him and Kobe. We need to lay that to rest, man, because I don't think it. Me personally, I don't think it. He'll never be Kobe, or he'll never reach the heights out like a Kobe. I just don't see it happening. Kobe did some amazing, some amazing thing, great things in this NBA, and he's the one player that if you got in his way, he's going to bite you. He's going to kill you, and he showed it game in and game out what he was about, and he literally. Kobe put fear in basketball players, bro. He put fear because they were so worried about what Kobe was going to do. That's not happening in today's NBA. It's no player that you fear on the basketball court today. But when Kobe Bryant was playing basketball, that's what it was. And we need to stop the notion of him and Devin Booker. I understand it's a lot there, bro, for me yeah, Adley, I mean, but yeah. he'll never be Kobe Bryant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it just need to... We need to stop. We need to stop it. Okay. All right, Black, going into game four. Game four, Wednesday night, back at the 9 p.m. slot. I wish the NBA would leave these games at 8 o'clock. I enjoyed that game starting at 8 o'clock, being over by 1045 or whatever. Well, I enjoyed that. But I get it. It's prime time. It's the finals. They got to have it. Center stage. You know, I understand. But Jesus, Adam. Hook your dogs up with another 8 o'clock start. But anyway, so the schedule is going to change with the finals. I don't know if a lot of people notice this, but when the finals start on the Tuesday and the Thursday, they go through that Sunday, and then they take another two days off, and then they're going to go on a Wednesday, Friday, Sunday run. So that's how the NBA finals switches up. So you're going to get game four, game four on Wednesday, and then we'll have a game five on 
uh, on uh, Friday. All right, so the schedule is going to change a little bit. All right, so Black going into Game Four. What are we gonna see, man? What's gonna be the end result? Do we have a two-two game? A series, or do we have a 3-1 series headed back to Phoenix, man, with a closing opportunity uh, on Friday I night? believe we do, D. I believe we got this thing tied 2-2. Mm-hmm. I believe Giannis is going to be assertive again. He's already locked in for game four. And, uh, yeah. See his, man, just just to see Giannis and he's, the way he's carrying himself, man. His demeanor, Giannis, man. Giannis, his, with his demeanor, it, he, he, he's locked in. This is going to be the key, though, because I know Phoenix know oh, we, it's nothing we can do about Giannis. Chris Middleton, I got to get some more from you, bro. <sighs> Game four, you got to give me at least 30. You got to give me at least 30. Uh, Drew Holiday, keep doing what you're doing, sir. I'm I'm very pleased. You you giving all your energy on the defensive side of the ball, and then you came through offensively with some big threes to keep your team ahead in this game when Phoenix was trying to make a run. But Chris Middleton, man, you gotta we got to pick it up a notch. You were super awesome in the first half of that game. Last night and Giannis was so dominant, it was no need for you to no need for you in the second half. But I think that's going to be a different story. We're going to need him in the second half against these Phoenix Sun team in game four. So Chris Middleton, we need you to step I need you to step it up a notch offensively. Give me 30, 35. Milwaukee moves on. Series tied going back to Phoenix. Yeah, I think this game is going to be much closer on Wednesday night. I don't think it'll be a blowout like game three was 120. To 100 type deal. I think it's going to be a much closer game. I think Chris Paul is a lot more assertive, and I think he bites back at Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is a very good defender. He's going to rattle pretty much any point guard in the league. But the one thing about Chris Paul, if I had to say anybody had the toughness and the grit and the grind, any what any way, shape, or form from a Kobe Bryant is Chris Paul because he ain't going back down. He a dog. He's a little pit bull out there on the floor. You're not going to push him around, and he usually responds. He usually responds after games like this. But this is going to be on Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton gave you 18, 19 points. That's what you need. Chris Paul gave you 19, but Devin Booker can't have 10 points. Cameron Payne got to come to play. Can't give him seven points. Miles Bridges can't give you two points. So Chris Paul's going to have to get these young guys going like he did in game one and in game two. Last night, Chris Paul was not able to do that. Chris Paul was a lot more of a scorer in game one and game two and then turning to a not-so-good facilitator in game three. But I think that's going to be a change in game four. With all that being said, the Milwaukee Bucks tie the series. <laughs> I think Giannis goes slap crazy. I think he give you another 40 piece. <clears throat> Inching closer to Michael Jordan's NBA Finals record of the most 40 point games in the series. I think he goes nuts. And I got to believe, and I don't, I could be wrong, but this has got to be the game from Chris Middleton. This has got to be the game from Chris Middleton. Because I tell you this, Black, if Chris Middleton. Come out here and give you 15, and Giannis got 45. The Phoenix Suns will be up three games and one going back to Phoenix. That's mm-hmm. a guarantee. <clears throat> you, right. you can book that. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think that's going to be the case. There's no way Chris Middleton is going to have – I'm not saying he played bad in, in game three. He did. He didn't. He was, he was very good. But he has to be more aggressive. That's the thing that ticks me off about players like Middleton who are ultra-talented. You're 6'10 with a handle. Pull up from anywhere – from three, mid-range, get to the glass. You can literally do whatever it is you want on the floor. If you look across the NBA, there's not a defensive prototype that can guard Chris Middleton. There isn't one. You probably have to put LeBron in his prime on Chris Middleton because of just the settings that he has. Mm-hmm. But we don't see his full potential because he's not consistent. But that's just going off the eye test and seeing what he can do. So it's going to be on Middleton if this thing is going to be 2-2 because John's going to have 40. 
I'm I'm a, I'm gonna wait a few seconds here to see if anybody in the world, somebody black, can somebody tell me is there anybody capable of doing anything with Giannis? Not one surprise. Okay, sir. that thank you. That was less than a second. <laughs> but with all that being said, we're gonna be at two two theater drama heading back to Phoenix on a Friday night. I'm looking forward to it. Or we'll be three one headed back to Phoenix, Let's maybe get ready to crown the champion. Mm. So either way you got, you got some theater and you got some drama. I personally hope we get a 2-2 going back to see what's up with this game five because this may be the best game of the series because you all know in the NBA Finals, the team who gets up three games first usually goes on to win the championship, usually, unless you're the Golden State Warriors back in 2000. Uh, <laughs> never mind. I'm sorry. 2016, my bad. bro. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. 2016, my boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, yeah, man. So, uh, we'll be back again. <laughs> breaking down game four. You're going to get that episode from the Sports Days. Breaking down game four uh, after it concludes on Wednesday. We'll be dropping another show on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, man. So, you guys can hear our thoughts on uh, that game of the series. All right, Black. So, that wraps up our NBA Finals coverage. And we are not done talking basketball. You all know out there what this means. Three bells. It's even worse when you get four. <laughs> Black V on mine, I'm gonna go ahead and run the water in the sink. Put the soap in there. Going to get the water all sudsy, man. I'm gonna go ahead and stack the dishes up on the side of the counter, Black. And uh Black, you know what I need you to do in just a short while, Black. <laughs> Black, I need you to clean them dishes. Now I'm out of my business on a Saturday night. I'm chilling, you know, kicking it with the fam, playing with my son, talking to my wife, getting ready to have some nice dinner, you know, want no basketball on this past Saturday, but we was getting ready for the UFC fights, man, me and Black was having some conversations about some things, man, and came across my timeline and said, oh, USA basketball versus Nigeria, scrimmage game coming up tonight, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, USA should beat them boys by 70. You know, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. You know, I know Nigeria got some NBA players. I ain't really going to pay attention uh, to that. I'm going to go ahead and get ready for this UFC fight, man, which we'll talk about later on in this show. I'm going to go ahead and get ready and get set up for that. And as I'm sitting on the sofa, no, as I'm laying down in my bed watching the UFC fight, I get an alert. And this freaking alert says Nigeria 90, USA Basketball 87. I swiped that thing over so fast to see if it was a typo. And by God, Black, it was not a typo. I'm going to read off a couple things for you. Kevin Durant, 17 points. Jason Tatum, 15. Bam Adebayo, 11. Bradley Beal, 2 points. Damian Little, 14. Jeremy, why Jeremy Grant on the Olympic team? No hate, bro. If you happen just so happen to hit us, bro, really like your game. But Jeremy Grant shouldn't be on the Olympic team. Six points. Draymond Green, 10. Zach Levine, 10. Kevin Love, nothing. Nothing from Kevin Love. And I don't even know who the rest of these guys is on the bench. Garland, Bay. They must be the high school kids from the under-19 league. This is what I be talking about. 
Now, I told Black beforehand, this is a solid team. They should win the gold medal, no problem. But the world is getting better. The world is getting better. You got NBA players from other countries in the, in the NBA who are doing well. Guys like, of course, Luka Doncic. Guys like uh, 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 the MVP, the joke. We, I mean, you got guys in the league from other countries doing well. But I don't know nobody from Nigeria doing well in the NBA. Can you help me out, Black? Can you tell me somebody who played for Nigeria that's doing well in the league? I thought so, Black. Everybody say, oh, this is Kevin Durant's team. Ooh, he's the leader of this team. Kevin Durant is going to ensure that the Olympic name for USA basketball goes unscathed. Greg Popovich sits up here. Oh, we just got to practice on Tuesday. Nigeria's been practicing since June 10th. Who cares? This is unacceptable. This is embarrassing. So you know what this lets me know? And I'm going to keep it real. It would not surprise me if the USA basketball team does not win gold. It won't surprise me. Because the leader of this team is none other than Kevin Durant, the guy who y'all say is the best player in the world. The guy who y'all said who is compatible to who? Raymond. <laughs> this is what y'all told me. Now, in my lifetime of watching basketball, of USA Basketball Black, there's only been one disappointing team in USA Basketball history. And unfortunately, LeBron was a part of that team, but he was not the leader of that team. You had OGs like Kevin Garnett. You had Allen Iverson on that team, Vince Carter on their team. Those were the OGs of the team. And the USA basketball team looked disgusting. Not winning gold. I believe they won a bronze medal or some trash like that. But then the Redeem team came and resurfaced. And by God, compared them to the Dream team, we could debate that later. But for this scrimmage game to happen on a Saturday night in America, with Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, Cameron Durant, and other Bradley Beal, other superstar, all-star basketball players, for them to lose 90 to 87. And when Kevin Durant tried to tie the basketball game, rolling his shoulder, going around the baseline and getting blocked. <laughs> Kevin Durant, Kevin, Kevin Durant got blocked and was thrown to the ground like he was nobody. Nobody. And we lose a scrimmage game. I, for one, am beyond disgusted. I'm, for one, am not going to let this slide. This is unacceptable. So, Kevin Durant, if you just so happen to hear this, please work on your leadership skills and get our young USA basketball players together and create a tight group. And let's get it going. Because I, for one, don't consider you the leader. It's going to have to be Draymond Green because he's the only one loud enough to talk. Nobody else can talk. USA basketball team, you disgust me. Get it together and don't embarrass me again. <laughs> Black, do you have anything? Yeah, bro. I'm just going to rinse the dishes. You wash the mugs too. My bad, bro. You know, so. Just piss me I'm off. I'm just going to rinse, man, and stick them in the dishwasher. Hey, look, man. USA, you got to be better. D, I'm not going to. I'm not reading that much into it. It's an exhibition. You know, these guys, literally you have Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, and Kevin Love as the only ones on this team that has had the internet. This is international. 
experience uh, being in the Olympics and knowing what it what it takes in the Olympics. But <clears throat> with this cast of characters who are who some most the majority are are first timers. Kevin Durant, Kevin Love, and Draymond Green, y'all have to be better as leaders. You have to be better as leaders, man, to get this team together. I understand you only been together three days. I understand that crap, whatever it is. Y'all still some of the some of the top basketball players in the NBA that y'all have on this team. Zach Levine, uh, Damian Lillard, who who else? Bradley Beal. I know you get Booker and you get Middleton once the finals over. But you got to be better. It's an exhibition. You got three more exhibitions to play before you get into the Olympics, and I'm pretty. I'm, and, and I'm hoping to see a better. Uh, 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 the, I'm hoping to see the product on the basketball court be better than it was against Nigeria. Sloppy defensively. Kevin Durant just looked like he ain't had no legs, like he having a hangover from the Milwaukee Bucks. But I don't I don't know what the deal was with this, but I'm not going to read too much in it. I, I still feel like the USA basketball team, I don't think it's going to be easy this year in the Olympics because as he stated, the world is getting better, which they are. But I've still, USA have the, have the better basketball players. So I think Coach Pop and KD, Draymond, Kevin Love, come around these young, young first-timers and get this right, man, and go on to win gold in the Olympics. Can you tell me the last? Can you name me a player on the Nigeria basketball team? I cannot, sir. Can you tell me the last time a USA basketball team lost a scrimmage game? It's been a very long time, sir. Okay, I just want to know that. Yeah. The average size player for Nigeria was six foot three. Mm. They were shooting lights out, man. The, I'm looking at the highlights right now. The average basketball player was six foot four or something like that for Nigeria. Look at Kevin Durant just getting blocked and thrown out of bounds. Look at this. Don't embarrass me again. USA Basketball, please. Let's do better. Look at this. Look at Draymond just getting. Look at this. Embarrassing. We got Kyle Hurst show playing behind us while we watch this, and it was absolutely disgusting <laughs> to see what went on. They'll yeah. be all right. Man. Yeah, I, I think they, they will, but I don't want right. to see that. It's an exhibition, That's bro. embarrassing. It's an exhibition. That's embarrassing. They got three more exhibitions. That's embarrassing. Before we get to the Olympics, they're going to be fine, D. I think, we, I think you want them a little too hard, bro. That is embarrassing. You know what it is. Nigeria. Moving on. All right, man. So that wraps up our basketball coverage. Just had to get that off, man. It was just despicable and disgusting to see that come across my timeline. I didn't even plan on talking about this. But let's go ahead and move forward. All right, Black, we had some MMA take place. And who God, what a time was it for the MMA world, man. It's time! New Sports Desk. All right, Black, let's go ahead and get into it, man. This past weekend was UFC 264, a mega event 
for the worldwide MMA leader. That is the UFC. This card had been promoted very, very well. A lot of energy poured into this fight. First fight back at T-Mobile Arena. Over 21,000 fans in attendance. You could feel the energy through the building. A very good night of fights. Very, but prelims were good. Uh, just an awesome, awesome night of fights, man. But y'all already know what we're here to talk about, man. Uh, the trilogy fight. All right. You had the notorious one. Conor McGregor taking on the diamond, Dustin Poirier. Very interesting levels to all three fights. The first fight was kind of, you know, some newcomers coming to the scene. High energy. McGregor kind of got in Poirier's head, got him by knockout. Second fight, very wholesome fight almost. Very respectable fight. Uh, both guys were very nice and cordial to each other. Um, just kind of weird to see that from Conor McGregor. And uh, Dustin Poirier getting the win by TKO in the, I believe it was the second round. And then the third fight was <laughs> old Conor kind of showing his ways, but old Conor times 10. Um, just very venomous Conor McGregor. Very uneasy Conor McGregor going into this fight against a calm Dustin Poirier. Poirier didn't really get bothered by the noise or rattle from McGregor, but hence the final result of this fight, and we're going to get into the fight, TKO Dustin Poirier uh, wins this fight, gets his second win over Conor McGregor. Um, Black, let's just go ahead and get into the fight. Now, we know, let's just start off with the injury. Um, I'm guessing somewhere in the third minute of the first round, McGregor goes to step back and tries to plant on his back leg, and that tibula just goes. A freak bend-em-up accident for McGregor. Now, McGregor is notorious for rolling his ankles in the cage in the first round. I saw an interesting video on YouTube the next day. His last five fights in the octagon, he rolled his ankle in like the first one or two minutes on that mat. Like his ankle literally rolls, but um, he seems to be okay. But this time, he wasn't able to get his foot from underneath it. And it broke his uh, lower tibula clean. But McGregor was tough. Somehow, some way, he stayed on that foot. But hence him going for try to get a guillotine late in the first. And I think Conor knew something was wrong. It didn't work. Poirier jumps on top of him and gets the job done. He's the winner. Black, what did you see in this fight? Yeah, man. Um, I was a little disturbed by this fight, man. Okay. I just... Conor just seemed like he was... We know how... <clears throat> we know how Conor can be, man, with the... With the talk and everything, it just seemed like Conor was kind of like over the top, man. I'm, it didn't. It, it leading up to this fight Friday night, I was kind of concerned, mm. and and I was like, man, Conor just doing too much. Like, I know we know what we used to seeing from Conor, but it just seemed like, like you said, times ten, yeah, and it didn't seem right. So leading into the fight, you know. I was already kind of like, man, looking at Poirier, he just so chill, so calm, relaxed. Not being rattled by none of this stuff, and then going into the match and looking at Connor the way Connor came out. Connor came out super aggressive in this fight. I mean, kicking, punching, yeah. but Poirier still kept his cool in the midst of all that. He yeah. didn't get rattled. Even Poirier said he said he caught me again. He did with a few shots, but I was able to you know get my wits about myself. But um, to see to see Connor do unlock things we're not used to see him do a guillot. A guillotine that is not Conor McGregor. Like I don't, I don't know if uh, if that that kick when uh Poirier checked it really Hurt. did something to that uh to that leg. Yeah. Because after that, it seemed like Conor went and went into survival mode after that. So he was hurt somewhat. Because to see him try to choke somebody out, McConnor, you'll never see old Conor McGregor do that. You never see that. And then you went to the ground 
well, you're not one of the best on the ground, my guy. And D Dustin Poirier showed that he was a stronger, bigger man on the ground. I mean, vicious ground and pound. Vicious. I mean, he was trying to take Connor head off his shoulders. Big elbows. Big elbows. Yeah. And, and, and I did look at it closely. I looked at some stuff on YouTube. And what Dustin Poirier was saying about Connor, the reason he let him up, was because Connor was putting Pulling. his fingers and pulling them down, putting his fingers in yeah. Poirier's glove and pulling them down. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I thought I thought he was just finding excuses, but he was doing that. Yeah, he was. Because uh, uh, McGregor was rattled, man. He was hurt. And then to see him get up and then the way that happened, both of them went for a punch and both of them missed. Mm -hmm. But Connor couldn't get his leg up on them. Mm -hmm. and, and then that's when you seen the break. And man... That's the last thing you want to see from a guy because I'm a fan of Connors, so yeah. that's the last thing you want to see of Connors. But all the antics and everything that's going on afterwards, man, he's still talking trash while your leg down there just broke and still, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, making the type of comments he was making. I, that's why I don't blame Poirier for nothing he did, bro. Yeah, you know, so he did, man, he won the fight. He won the fight. Uh, is it over with, in my opinion? No, mm -mm. but um, shout out to Poirier, man, for. He went in there so far because Poirier said it perfectly. If he wouldn't have broke his ankle, I was gonna, I was gonna beat him, which he was, mm. which he was, bro. So, yeah, man, shout out to Poirier. Bad, bad uh, injury for Connor, but I know Connor going to be back. We'll see Connor again. I just don't, D. I really don't know how much Connor got left, bro. It's just I've been thinking about that since the fight. Like, why are we are we going to really? How much more are we really gonna see a Connor? Connor didn't. Achieved everything in the UFC that he could, and out of the ring. This man just sold his liquor for six hundred plus. Man, he sold proper twelve for six hundred plus million. How 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 much really is his heart into MMA? Is he just doing it to get out this last contract or what? So I'm starting to think how much how much more we're going to see a Connor. I know for sure we'll see him again at least one more time. But after that, D, I think it might be a wrap for Connor in my opinion. Yeah, um, you know, we were, a lot of us who were fans of MMA were there from the beginning. And I think we were fortunate enough um, to see Conor come in the door um, before Conor was this big superstar. I remember he was on a fight night car for the first time, and it was showing his highlights of him, and I just liked him. I liked his energy. I liked his bravado. I just liked everything about him. I said, okay, I'm going to latch on to this guy, and I'm going to see what he becomes. I mean, he was a no-name at the time, but he was different. And he came in, and he was bouncing heads off mats, man. I mean, he was, you know, just very, very uh, relentless in his uh, introduction to uh, the UFC. And then he started calling his shots. He became his own man in the UFC. And uh, he built and he built and he built up. And at that time, you had this world-renowned assassin in Jose Aldo Jr., who no one thought you would ever see lose. Aldo was a vicious assassin. And he was the very best uh, featherweight in the world at the time. And all the naysayers going into the fight when McGregor got the championship opportunity said that he would not win. Aldo was the overall betting favorite of that fight. And in six to eight seconds later, he was asleep on the mat. And that's where it began. When McGregor got that championship, that unified championship, because he was coming in as the interim champion after beating Chad Mendez, he took off from there. He took off. I mean, literally like no one before. Before this, Ronda Rousey was the biggest mm -hmm. attraction for the UFC. Even though you had guys like GSP, Anderson Silva, even Brock Lesnar. You had, you had superstar momentum, but that was just inside the cage. 
The UFC desperately needed a star that could catapult them outside. And it was Ronda Rousey who opened that door. She was first. But McGregor kicked it down. <laughs> he kicked it down, and then the sport became about him. Mm-hmm. He called his shot. He moved right up to 155 and took uh, at Eddie Alvarez's belt like it was nothing. <laughs> first UFC main event in Madison Square Garden became the first ever double champ. Then went into business with the whiskey and started incorporating money. Then started getting a piece of the UFC ticket. And then, lo and behold, by God, he's in the ring with Floyd Money Mayweather. <laughs> making $100 million to fight Floyd Mayweather. And then after that, we know the stories. Connor just spanned out of control. But you said a very good point. I love McGregor, but I'm not a fan of what he did this past week. I wasn't a fan of the things he was saying to Poirier. This is the fight business, dog. Keep it about the fight. He's saying he's going to kill the man. You're dead. Y'all, yo, yo, chill out, bro. Mm-hmm. Yo, Dustin Poirier can fight. Yes, he can. You're not going to kill Dustin Poirier. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin Poirier is a former champion, too. You're not going to kill him. You're not going to murder. Tell me you're going to murder the man. Like just, uh, just, and I know what he was trying to do. Connor was trying to ignite that old Connor. Mm-hmm. He was trying, but he ain't there he no ain't more. No one no more. Yeah, Connor, you ain't on welfare no more. <laughs> <laughs> you were the number one sports athlete in Forbes this past year. Absolutely, hundred and ninety million dollars. Mm. So you can't be that way no more, because when you go home to Ireland, you own damn near half near the, the country. <laughs> So come on, man. It ain't the same no more. It's not. Is he entertaining? Yes. If Connor comes back to fight, which he will, are we buying it? Yes. I mean, here at the sports desk. (laughs) Here at the sports desk, we have the links. So Connor McGregor is an attraction. He will be that. Is Dustin Poirier and Connor McGregor finished? No, they are not. They will fight again. Connor has one more fight on his UFC contract. And it will be against Dustin Poirier. It will be, whether Dustin Poirier is the champion or not. So all in all, what we saw in the fight, Conor McGregor was pushing the pace, trying to get Poirier out of here. But Poirier, you're not, it, he ain't nobody to get out of here because he, he can't. you can't get him out of here. Hmm. This dude is phenomenal. Yes, he is. I know Charles Oliveira is the champion, but Dustin Poirier is the very best 55er in the world, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I know Oliveira. No disrespect to Oliveira. Huge fan last night. Huge fan of Oliveira. Right, great fight. But though. Dustin Poirier, the names on his list in the last two years. Oh, it's real. Come on, mm-hmm. come on. So Conor McGregor, in my opinion, him being an elite championship level fighter, fighter, those days are done. Mm-hmm. Conor McGregor will never be a world champion again, and he doesn't have to be. He does. It's not going to do nothing to his legacy if he doesn't go recapture a championship. His legacy is set in stone. Conor McGregor will be a prize event fighter. He's a large name who all 155ers, 45ers, 170-pound fighters, they're going to want to fight him because of the draw. And the payday. And the money. That's what Conor McGregor is. Now, we'll see. We'll see what happens with his injury. He had surgery on Sunday. He's fine. Doctors say he'll recover. After six weeks, he can start rehabbing. They said about six to nine months, and Conor be ready to get back in the gym and start training. So I got to think we'll probably see Conor McGregor this time next year fighting Dustin Poirier for a fourth time. You don't get four fights from two competitors in the UFC ever. This will be the first time. Dana says we don't like to do it. You get three fights. The person who wins the two, that's we're done with that. We're moving on. But Dana says it has to happen, so it's going to happen. 
It's going to happen. So shout out to Dustin Poirier for being the better fighter. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Dustin Poirier for getting it done. I know Conor had his injury, but Poirier was pouring it on. Yes, he was. And if that fight would have progressed, McGregor would have got beat up. Now, McGregor had his chances to get Poirier out of there, but he just couldn't capitalize on him. So I said all of that to say it was a great event, but I think Conor got to go do some soul searching. He got to go find some type of spiritual alignment within himself to get his focus back right to get inside this cage because that wasn't Conor McGregor. That was somebody else uh, this past week, and I wasn't a fan of it. And I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan. Been following the man since he set foot the very first time in the octagon. But I didn't appreciate that. I didn't appreciate that, and Dustin Poirier didn't deserve that. Mm -hmm. Keep it in the ring, bro. Keep it about the fight, and you go on. Connor's antics on the ground with a broke ankle with Joe Rogan down there sitting next to him. It was stupid. No need for it. Now, Connor has been humble in defeat before. We done seen him humble in defeat. But this was something different. You want to know why it was different? Because he really wanted it. And he wanted to prove everybody wrong that he was done. And it hurt Connor. Connor was hurt. That was a hurt McGregor. That ain't had nothing to do with Dustin Poirier. That was about him. Mm-hmm. But Connor McGregor was the target. I mean, uh, Dustin Poirier was a target and he lashed out at him. And I guarantee you, at some point, sometime, Conor McGregor's not a bad guy. I guarantee you that McGregor probably reach out to Poirier and, at some point and get that whole situation about his comments. Get that squared away. Get that squared away. This man is a billionaire. You don't, I mean, ain't no need for you to be out here like that. <laughs> so that's what I think is going to happen. All in all, shout out to Dustin Poirier. Moving on from Conor McGregor, Black, we setting up for quite possibly... Hmm. One of the greatest 155-pound title fights in the history of the UFC. You got two game individuals. You got the champion, the Brazilian, Charles Oliveira, defending the championship, as Dana White said that he would, against Dustin the Diamond Poirier later this year. Black, just what's your quick thoughts on just the matchup of Oliveira and Poirier? The, in, my opinion, one, in my opinion, the greatest lightweight championship that we're going to see. I can't, <clears throat> as long as we've been watching the UFC, I can't really think of many that stood out at lightweight that were, you know, top notch. But this one will be. You have two fighters, man. Like, and we were just talking about this last night. Two fighters that then got it from the mud, then been to the bottom and climbed their way all the way up back to the top. <clears throat> and it's crazy to hear Poirier say, like, he he doesn't, he, he doesn't even, like, he doesn't know Oliveira or have a type of relationship and they all fight in the UFC mm-hmm. you know this would be the really first time that their names are being anywhere near each other mm-hmm. in this fight so man this, I, I I think we in for a treat here D man I, I this is this got this got box office written all over it Dustin Poirier has made a name for himself with these fights uh, for Connor so I expect this to be big time man and then Oliveira man just being this guy who who we know in adversity, he can get up and uh, find a way to win. We've seen it against Michael Chandler. We've seen this man go through adversity and get up and come in, and come and take that championship way away from Michael Chandler, man, and, 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 and knock him out. And then all his past fights, man, the win, the win streak, 10 or 11 in a row, if I'm not mistaken, him and Poirier, win streaks are about the same in the division. So it's going to be awesome, D. I can't wait. Man, um... It's, it's 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 even hard to say who's gonna win this fight right now, but I know we're gonna take our time with this one. But <laughs> yeah. D, I did this has box office written all over it. And I'm expecting this one to be the best light 
the lightweight strap for for the strap, lightweight match for the strap that we have seen in the UFC. Yeah, um, just just early thoughts on it, man. I'm excited about it. This could potentially be the greatest 155 championship fight in the history of the UFC. Um, we talked about heart last night, just what heart represents and what it means. You can have all the skills set in the town and all you want, but you get in there against somebody who got real heart, pack your lunch. Mm-hmm. Pack your lunch and tell the family, hey, I'll be back when I get back. Because it's going to be a long day at the office. And for both of these guys, Oliveira and Poirier, my God. Everybody who's been in the game, in of cage with them, I'm pretty sure when they came out of that cage, they say, dear Lord. <laughs> what an experience this was. Big fan of Oliveira. Big fan of Poirier. I'd be very surprised if this is a pick em fight by the time the odds come out. Mm. Pick em fight by the time the odds come out for this fight. So, looking forward to that. Dustin Poirier deserves this. This is the last thing for Dustin Poirier to accomplish. to be yeah. undisputed world champion. He's been a uni- he's been a uh an interim champion, but this is the last thing that will submit Dustin Poirier. And to keep it real with you, if he gets this done, put him above Khabib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> put him above Khabib. Yeah. And we'll talk about that at a later date cuz I am so sick. I'm- only thing I did enjoy is what Connor was saying about Khabib's career when they asked him about it. Mm. That's the only thing I did enjoy cuz he was telling the truth. He's a runner. How you fought a guy for? You know what? I ain't gonna do it. I ain't <laughs> you gonna ruffle some feathers? Yeah, so yeah. Don't do I ain't it. gonna do it. I ain't gonna do it. But yeah, if, and I'm gonna have to hear about it tomorrow. Yeah, so yeah, don't yeah. do it. I ain't gonna do it. <laughs> I ain't gonna do it. But if Dustin Poirier indeed becomes an undisputed 155 champion, uh, it's time to address that top five man and get Khabib all the way to hell up out of here. Mm. But we'll talk about that later today. All right, man. So, like I said, this was a condensed show of the Sports Desk, episode uh, 127. We got a whole bunch of information in uh, our show. So, I hope you guys enjoyed it, man. We'll be back again very, very shortly to cover uh, everything that takes place in game four of the NBA Finals. Look for that show uh, Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening, man. Looking forward to dropping that for you guys. But, um, yeah, we'll be back to regular schedule, regular show. All your segments will be back. Top five. What did you do in camp? Star, bitch, you cut. Those will be back next week, man. So, we'll be getting back. Uh, to those but until next time man you know where to find us at on Reduced Lunch Sports on Instagram you can find me Dedrick L. Higgs Jr. on Twitter and on Instagram let's talk some sports if you agree or disagree with anything we were saying on this episode holla at me tweet me let's talk about it Black where can they find you yeah y'all can hit me on Twitter and Instagram at Black ENL3 man y'all hit me up like like DJ said let's talk about it man the world of sports a lot goes on and we like to hear feedback from our supporters and the listeners absolutely man so appreciate you guys tuning in again thank you for all the support thank you for all the love thank you for everything you guys give us week in and week out and we'll be back in just a couple of days with a brand new episode of new sports desk that's right the sports desk y'all be cool man Reduce lunch sports, man. Come on, man. You're listening to the sports show. Hey, bro, you're listening to the sports show. New sports desk.